0: Good morning. <laughs> so Noah's story is halfway between Adam and Abraham in the book of Genesis. The story speeds up in between Adam and Noah and again between Noah and Abraham. But a whole book is devoted to Noah's life in his 600th year. Noah's story is an exciting story full of tensions between the righteous Noah and his family and the corrupt people of earth destructive of the corrupt, uh, sorry, corrupt people by the means of a flood and preserve those in the ark, including the creation that breathes. The, pl- the flood triumphs and wipes out all of life, and then the ending of the flood and Noah's disembark from the ark. Noah and the cataclysmic flood is a pivotal event that sees God wipe out humankind because in God's eyes, the earth had become corrupt and full of violence. There is a parallel between Adam and of the original creation and Noah and recreation. This cataclysmic flood impairs original creation headed by Adam and cleanses the earth for its recreation headed by Noah. There are many similarities between Adam and Noah. They both walked with God. They both rule the animals, Adam by naming them and Noah by preserving them. God commissioned them both to be fruitful and multiply and rule the earth. And they both had three sons. They worked the ground, and even their sin follows a similar pattern. Adam eats the forbidden fruit, and Noah gets drunk. And their sin leads to shameful nakedness, knowing, and then being clothed by another. Part of God's judgment on both of them was alienation. For Adam, it was banishment from the Garden of Eden and from Noah, it was from Shinna. There are three other deluge accounts from ancient Mesopotamia, the Sumerian account, the old Akkadian account, and the old Babylonian account, and they are strikingly similar to the Noah account. These accounts share many similarities, but there are some significant ways that the biblical account stands apart from the other accounts. As Wilkie Fredericks puts it, God sovereignly brings the flood because of human wickedness and in response to Noah's sacrifices, pledges never again to destroy the earth. In contrast to God's, in the other accounts, bring the floods on to control the overpopulation and to get rid of the noisy people. And their sacrifice isn't done for worship but hunger. The other major difference between the accounts in that of the Mesopotamian accounts, the heroes shut the hatch themselves, whereas in the biblical account, the Lord shuts the hatch of the ark, symbolising God's divine protection that will keep the ark safe in the raging waters. Noah's salvation is due to divine grace, which you're going to hear all about next week when Charlie gets back. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He was told to build an ark, which was more like a chest than a boat. The relationship between God and Noah was a covenant relationship, and the word covenant occurs for the first time in the Bible in Genesis chapter 6, verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark and you and your sons, your wife and your son's wives with you. It signifies that the maker of the covenant, God, oblige, uh, obligates himself to self-impose commitments, either on the condition of the favoured recipients, being Noah and his family, continued faithfulness as repayment. As and well, Frederick suggest, God obligates God's self to preserve Noah throughout the imminent flood, Noah, on his part, must build an ark to preserve life and enter it according to the Lord's directions. Can God count on Noah? To be sure, God authors the covenant, but it cannot be effected without Noah's fidelity. If Noah does not build the ark and enter it, not only Noah and all life will perish, but so will God's purpose to rule the earth through Adam and his promise to crush the serpent through the woman's seed. The future of salvation history rides on Noah's faithfulness. On the other hand, can Noah count on God? God calls upon Noah to trust him to keep that the threat to wipe out the earth and his promise to preserve him, his family and the life that all breathes. If the Lord does not send the threatened flood, Noah will have wasted years of his life and of his three sons building the ark. Noah would become the laughingstock of history. And if God does not keep his promise to preserve Noah and his family through the flood, their faithful service is in vain. The plot develops as a divine and human covenant. Partners commit themselves to one another. Today, we are going to look at this relationship between covenant partners, God and Noah, and see how they can count on each other in the crisis. It's important to mention at this point that God did not regret creating humanity. God does not make mistakes. God was expressing sorrow for what people had done to themselves. The people had chosen sin and death instead of a relationship with God. Noah was not perfect. But he did please God. Sin in Noah's day is the same as sin today. It grieves God. We can follow Noah's example and find favour in the eyes of the Lord, in spite of the sin that surrounds us. Noah sinned just like we all do, but Noah wholeheartedly loved and obeyed God. For a lifetime, Noah walked step by step in faith as a living example to his generation. Like Noah... We live in a world filled with evil. We need to ask ourselves, are we influencing others or are we being influenced by them? Noah was different from his contemporaries who were corrupt in their ways. Noah was righteous and blameless. Therefore, we are told explicitly of his godly virtues and then to his highest accolade, he walked with God. The Lord in chapter 7 verse 1 says, "I have found you righteous." Noah is characterized by his good works, or not by his good works, but they are an expression of his true faith. He did everything just as God, the Lord, commanded him. These are connected to the two critical actions of Noah, building the ark and entering it. That demonstrated his faith and trust in the covenant with God. Noah was faithful. He built the ark to the exact specifications given to him by God. He demonstrated his commitment to the task given to him by God, and he got right to work when God had asked him to build the ark. Noah had no sailors or crew other than his family, no navigation equipment, sails or a rudder, things we would not even contemplate going to sea without. The fate of the ark depended solely on the will of God. By contrast, the hero of the Mesopotamian parallel employs a boatman to navigate. I did a 10-day voyage on the young endeavour when I was about 19 years old, and I had to crew that um, tall ship with uh, an entire young crew. We had to navigate and sail, and we had to do that um, by ourselves as a crew crew For 48 hours without the actual sailing crew helping us. That seemed scary enough at the time because we had to ensure we didn't risk the lives of all the crew. We had to run and man all the jobs on board which included navigating, steering, sailing and furling the sails and feeding the entire crew. We were out in the ocean with no land that you could see and if you've ever been to sea, and you can no longer see dry land, it can be more than a little bit alarming. I think Noah only had only having a portal in the top to see the stars was actually a good design idea by God. I don't think I would have wanted to see anything else. With God's command to enter the ark, Noah was to enter with his wife, his sons and their wives, and to bring them into the ark, every two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive, Have you ever wondered how the animal roundup may have happened? Did Noah and his family spend years collecting all the animals? We're not told in the Bible how exactly this happened, but we could imagine. In reality, the creation, along with Noah, was doing just as God commanded. They seemed to have no problem gathering the animals, reminiscent of when God brought the animals to Adam to be named, and then to Noah so he could preserve them. God took care of the details of that job while Noah was doing his part by building the ark. Often we do the opposite to Noah. We worry about the details that which we have no control while neglecting specific areas such as attitudes, relationships, responsibilities that are under our control. Like Noah, we need to concentrate on what God has given us to do and leave the rest to God. God commanded Noah to enter the ark, then shut him in. The rain fell and the water rose and increased greatly on the earth. The repetition of the waters rising and covering the earth, mountains and everything on dry land, signifies the all-encompassing devastation and death inflicted by the flood. We have the cleansing and the preservation So we see a contrast from devastation of the flood to the renewal of the earth, original creation and recreation. After 150 days of water flooding the earth, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with them in the ark. And he sent wind over the earth and the waters receded. Eventually, when the ground was dry, Noah waited for the divine word that it was safe to disembark. God eventually said, Noah, come out. Noah's disembarkation from the ark amplifies his consistent obedience to God. The first thing he does is to build an altar to worship God. This is very significant. Because of Noah's sacrifice, God resolves to never again to destroy in spite of humanity's sin. God will preventially preserve the earth and its ecology until the final judgment. Other people must have been warned about this coming disaster, but apparently they did not expect it to happen. Today, things haven't changed much. Each day, thousands of people are warned of God's inevitable judgment, yet most of them don't really believe it will happen. Those don't believe in God will deny his judgment and try to get us to to deny God as well. But remember, God's promise to Noah is to keep him safe. This can inspire us to trust God for deliverance in the judgment that is sure to come. In 1 Peter 3, 20-22, we are reminded that Noah and his family were saved through water, and water symbolises baptism that now saves us also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves. It saves us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. We are reminded in 1 Peter chapter 4 that the living for God, Jesus suffered in his body. We too are reminded to arm ourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, we are reminded not to live the rest of our lives for, human, for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God, we need to be alert and of sober mind. Love each other deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Use whatever gifts we have been that we have received to serve others and praising God. The good news for us that countless times throughout the Bible we see God showing his love and patience towards humankind in order to save them. Although God realises that human hearts are filled with evil, God continues to try and reach us. As we read in the passage from Matthew 24, 36-44, we do not know on what day the Lord will come, and so we must be ready, because the Son of Man will come, at an hour when we do not expect him. Just like it was in the days before Noah entered the ark, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. The flood did not affect a human change in humanity, and we all still sin, and we live in a broken world, but because of Noah's sacrifice that affected a change in God by pacifying his righteous indignation against sin. This is good news for us, because as long as the earth endures, God will preserve earth and guarantee the continuation of humanity until the end of history by guaranteeing its sustaining food supply too. Next week, Charlie will elaborate on God's provisions, including God's abundant grace for the post-flood world. Let us pray. We thank you, God, that you are a God of love, for the example of Noah's obedience, faithfulness and commitment to you, and especially for his sacrifice to worship you. That significant sacrifice to worship you ensures us that you will never again destroy humanity in spite of our sin. We are appreciative that you will providentially preserve the earth and its ecology until the final judgment. Help us to follow Noah's example of his relationship with you when he was in the midst of a world full of wickedness, corruption and evil, walking faithfully with you. Help us to hear your voice speaking to our hearts and we ask that the desires of our hearts be aligned with your will. Guide our every step so we don't make a wrong decision or take a wrong path. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Help us to do all things in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.